Episode 253 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Seminoff, sitting in for Bill. Well, over the past three weeks, we've been holding our first Wichita Inno Madness competition. We started with 16 startups in a bracket-style competition, eliminating eight by reader voting the first week, then whittled down eight to four, four to just two, and this week we crowned a champion, Co-Immunity, Madeline Shanka's startup that works to help those dealing with chronic illnesses. Madeline joins me to talk about her victory and her startup, how it got started and where she's taking it from here. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is coverage of our Wichita Business Journal Employer Summit. We brought together more than a dozen community leaders in education, business, and nonprofits to talk about ways of solving Wichita's workforce woes. They talked about what's already being done and more solutions that could help businesses meet hiring and staffing challenges. That coverage begins on page 16. This week's list is residential real estate mortgage lenders. See what institutions are at the top, beginning on page 10. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 27. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Well, we have a champion in the house and you'll have to think visually with confetti raining down and a trophy presentation on a big stage like we're gonna have next Monday night in New Orleans. Madeline Shanka, founder of Co-Immunity. Congratulations on winning the Wichita Business Journal's first Wichita Inno Madness competition and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, I'm excited to be here. Well, great. Uh, we won't pretend to know the hows and whys of every reader who voted in Inno Madness. We created the competition as a way to spotlight startups and innovation in Wichita. And we put it to readers this way, if you didn't get a chance to vote out there, which innovative business would you most want to invest in? So Madeline, I would think winning in Madness would make you feel pretty good about how people think of your startup. Yeah, we were really surprised to, to definitely uh, take the championship. We, we didn't anticipate we would make it past Quick Hire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Quick Hire is very popular, but you, you beat out 15 others in, in Wichita. Now, we, we hope it gets bigger next year as well. Uh, so let's get to your background a little bit before we talk about co-immunity. Although, as I think we're going to find out, your background is a big part of co-immunity. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've already been in the WBJ as a, as a five under 25, age 25, uh, for area entrepreneurs last year. And you've also been an innovator of the year with us. Um, but you're still not even 25. How old are you? Tell us about where you grew up here in Wichita. I am 23. Um, I grew up on the east side of Wichita. I went to Catholic schools. Um, definitely Wichita native through and through. My parents are high school sweethearts. They went to Southeast together. Um, but yeah, I ended up at Wichita State and started co-immunity when I was 20, um, right 
right on the cusp of the pandemic, which was not anticipated. And here we are. Let's talk about your, your folks a little bit. You, you, you say that Steve Jobs and your mother are entrepreneurial heroes of yours. We know about Steve Jobs. You tell us about your mother. So my mom, um, she has had her hair salon for, if I get this wrong, she's going to kill me. I think it's seven, 17, 18 years. Um, she actually uh, became a hairdresser at the age of 17. And she, she had some issues taking boards because uh, of how young she was, but she has, has worked so hard to, to, to be successful in everything that she's done. And, and she really kind of gave me an example of how you can um, be an entrepreneur. And especially as a, a female, I think that's hugely inf influential. I grew up, you know, pretending to work at the front desk. And then I did work at the front desk for about seven years. Um, and so just really being able to have that front row seat to her hiring people, to training people, to being a mentor. Um, but then the business side of things, like Mondays were her day at off and we ran errands with her. And that was my favorite, my favorite day. Sometimes I maybe called in sick to, to school, you know, to, to hang out with her because, you know, she did such a great job, especially again, as a female of balancing family and work. And so when we, on Mondays, she was doing, you know, banking and payroll and running errands. Um, a, a hair salon takes a lot of, of different, you know, elements to, to be successful, but she was engaged with us the whole time as kids. Um, so I loved those Mondays because we were, we were having conversation and like, I had her attention. Um, and then, you know, that's how she taught us budgeting. Like we were in the stores and she was having us do cost comparison. And, and so, no, she, she just was, was such a great example. And now actually she's, um, they started during the pandemic because my mom's insane, um, in the best way they are, my parents are now doing, um, rental homes. And so they have, have created this brand and um, they started with a house at Table Rock Lake and my mom has gutted the entire house and and they just they just do such a great job. We'll be sure to let your high school administrators know that you skip class every now and then but it was it was for good cause. Good you know I don't think they would complain about my GPA so we're okay. That's good to hear. Well, while you're in high school, you got some diagnoses that you know lupus, narcolepsy and I'm not I'm not sure I'm going to say is it cataplexy? I got those right. Okay. Tell me about those diagnoses and then how they kind of led to co-immunity. Co yeah. So um, I've been sick since the, the day I was born. My mom and I have kind of been in this together from the start. Um, I had a traumatic labor that um, took place over the course of three days. And my dad, um, he was a paramedic at the time and he actually helped with my delivery. It was, it was pretty rough. Um, they had suction pop off three times and, and forceps and, I, I definitely had a rough start coming into the world and I had pneumonia eight times by the time I was three. So, so being sick in and out of the hospital, I spent my second birthday in the hospital. Um, that's kind of all I've ever known. And um, I think that's kind of what has allowed me to be so resilient because when you have nothing to compare it to, it is a little bit easier to kind of roll with the punches. But in fourth grade, I got um, swine flu. And, you know, obviously that was kind of our first glimpse at what a pandemic 
was like. And, and I was really sick. And then I started falling asleep in class and we kind of wrote it off as, you know, I was always, I was always sick with something. And so, you know, that's why I was so tired. Um, and then in sixth grade, I got mono and I started rashing at recess and we couldn't figure out why I was rashing. And, and that kind of started escalating. So in sixth grade, we started going to specialists here in Wichita, trying to get answers. And after um, four years, we went to the Mayo Clinic uh, so, you know, we searched for answers at Mayo Clinic. I had exploratory surgeries. I, I saw about nine specialists and had countless procedures. And then my senior year, after so many years, I was finally diagnosed with lupus and narcolepsy with cataplexy. So tell us how that leads to this idea that you had. How quickly did it lead to it? And just kind of go through how it, how it got there. Sure. So it actually came before my formal diagnoses. I, you know, people, people were playing, you know, pretend that they were teachers or that they were, you know, moms. And I was always pretending, especially in the doctor's office, that I was a doctor. So I would, you know, practice examinations and would have my little script when, when my mom would walk into the office while we were waiting for appointments to start. Um, I always wanted to be a doctor and I thought that I would go to med school and become either a pediatric oncologist or a pediatric um, intensivist. And that was my passion from, from sixth grade. I knew that I wanted to go to med school, but then that I, I had, a, I had experiences at Children's Mercy um, with child life specialists. And I was really passionate about, you know, how much they help to take care of the emotional side of people with chronic illness that are undergoing, you know, traumatic procedures. And I uh, wanted to create in sixth grade, I kind of dreamt up the, the, the first ideas of, of what co-immunity has become, but I wanted to create a product line that helped um, with patient education that was specialized to kind of middle school through, through adult, because there just weren't a lot of resources. Once you get past those teaching dolls that they use, you know, people kind of write it off as lame as they grow up. And so um, that's where, you know, I first had the idea, but I thought I would go to med school, become a doctor, have some credentials, some money. The money part was a big part of it. Um, and then, and then do this company. I actually um, was in a competition for a scholarship when I was going to go to Rockhurst um, my senior year. That's originally where I thought I would go. And I remember pitching, you know, in this interview, my concept of co-immunity and, and obviously it didn't have the name then, but that, that was always the plan. And it's interesting because you know, I, I knew what I wanted to do on that side of things before my diagnoses. But then um, life kind of, you know, took over. My plans uh, took a backseat. I was no longer uh, running the show. And I became really sick my, my going into my freshman year of, of college. And my original plans to go away for college ended up, you know, not being possible. And so I went to Wichita State, which ended up being like the greatest blessing in disguise. And as I was being sick, I was determined to stay involved. And, you know, I had to talk to my peers, my sorority sisters, my classmates about what I was going through, because 
when I was, you know, really sick, I would have these episodes and it would look like a seizure and people, you know, would freak out. And so I would do some education on, Hey, if this happens, like, don't freak out. But if it's not, you know, if it's not getting better, call my mom, like things like that. And just, you know, how people could be, um, you know, allies for, for what I was going through. And as I started opening up about my experience, I realized how many other people had invisible diseases and could relate to, to what I was talking about. And, um, something just kind of changed in me and I thought, okay, I'm on this pre-med route. This is what I really want to do. At that point I was an EMT and I had been working in the hospital for about a year, um, which I was really passionate about, but it was really hard on my body. And I felt like I wasn't going to be able to make the impact that I wanted to make, you know, with, with those touch points as a physician. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of took the jump in uh, July of 2019. Just want to circle back just a little bit. You can tell Wichita State is for a second. Why did Wichita State end up being a blessing for you? So I was, side note, I was so mad. And I, I struggled with, you know, kind of the grieving process of not going away for college for a long time. I had an amazing scholarship. Um, I, I worked so hard in high school. I was class president. I was a cheerleader. Like I did all the things. Um, and so when I had to stay home, it was bad. I was, I was mad for a long time. Um, and so when I got to Wichita state, you know, I'm just having a bad attitude. And then I realized how genuine the people were, um, you know, the connections I made, in the classroom, because if you can't tell, I'm a talker. And so, you know, I was always like having conversations in the, in the classroom, maybe not ones that my professor always appreciated, but it is what it is. Um, and then, you know, with my my sorority sisters, that had a huge impact, too. And then once I started co-immunity, I, you know, kind of was talking to some of my teachers and I was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Like, do you know any resources? And once I got plugged in um, with the Entrepreneurship Center there, and um, most importantly, Rob Gerlach, like it, it was clear that this was where I was meant to be and I wouldn't have it any other way. They, they have been such incredible um, mentors and, you know, the, the education that I knew nothing about business. Like when I told my parents I started a company, they were like, you what? You can't even have, you don't have a budget. Um, and so Figuring that out was only possible because of the e-launch program and, and kind of that, that guidance that Wichita State provided. Mm -hmm. So the aim is to help people, young people, cope with chronic illness. Tell us how the app does that and kind of get into all the techie stuff of, of how you got it started and how the app was designed. Sure. So at first it was to help mainly 15 to, to 30 year olds. That's kind of the age range we thought because that's what we knew. And once we started support groups during the pandemic, we realized that the need was much bigger than we anticipated. We kind of thought like no 50 year old is going to look to us uh, for help in coping with their chronic illness. And so, you know, with the support groups that we were offering, we ended up expanding and we enrolled people that were in their 60s and 70s, actually, um, which was amazing to see. So when we, we started the app, you know, the original plan was to address that that specific age group. And, and now it's been surprising how many people um, in so many different ages um, have embraced 
what we're doing. And so the, the technology component of what we're doing is really to help patients understand the patterns of stress and their chronic illness. Um, our overall thesis of co-immunity as a whole is combining that mind-body connection, um, creating, you know, creating support through, you know, connecting with others that understand what they're going through, um, creating technology resources that allow them to take better uh, control um, and ownership of their health and communicate better with providers, but then also, you know, provide resources. Um, how, the, how the technology addresses that is, it's a symptom tracking app that's made for any chronic illness. Um, and the, the whole goal is for them to be able to understand what's going on in their bodies, advocate for themselves, and then communicate in a language that doctors understand and have time for. The average, the average doctor's appointment is 15 minutes of FaceTime with your provider. And, and you have to get over the emotional components of your illness. You have to compile six to 12 months of, of symptoms. Um, and then you have to deliver that in a way that that they can understand, um, you know, while trying to get over, you know, the fact that this is a very emotional thing. Um, and so, no, the, the symptom tracking app allows you to track your symptoms daily and um, under 60 seconds because, you know, chronic illness is a lot and we don't want to add anything to, to managing that. But um, so they track their symptoms, they enter red flags or green flags, um, which are notes that allow them to kind of see, okay, like this was finals week and this led to my symptoms being, being worse um, for the next two weeks. How can I better address that next finals? Um, and, you know, kind of being proactive in that approach. So there's that opportunity for, for reflection, but also how do positive things in my day or my week or my month impact my health? And then there's, there's the capability of having notes. Um, in addition, it gives the ability, which is my favorite. It makes me very excited. Um, and sometimes I can't believe that like, this is what we're doing, but we're able to have them compile um, reports they can go in the calendar and select, you know, how many months of symptoms they want to, to compile. And we give them graphs of their sim symptoms individually and then as a whole over time. Um, and so they get these reports emailed to themselves and they can also have their doctor opt in to receive monthly email updates with this data um, so that they can do bridge appointments and, you know, you aren't having these flares for six months and then being like, okay, I'm in the hospital and now let's address it, but they can be, they can be proactive. Um, and so patients are able to walk in with, with this data, um, in a visual and, um, you know, numerical format. And that, that originally came from interviews with, with e-launch, um, the e-launch program at Wichita state. I interviewed all my doctors at Mayo and I was like, okay, so like what makes the difference in an appointment on, on how it goes and how you understand people's symptoms and how you're able to treat them. And my rheumatologist was talking about how she had these engineers that would come in and they had Excel spreadsheets of their symptoms. And she's like, those appointments are my best appointments, not only, which Mayo Clinic, for those of you that don't know, like you have an hour of FaceTime with your doctor. So like it's unparalleled, but She's not able, she's not only able to like get a concise picture of how they're doing and why, but then go over the treatment plan and then do patient education. A huge issue with compliance is patients don't understand why they're taking these medications that make them feel like absolute crap. 
while they're spending $5,000 a month on this patient, this medication that makes them feel like absolute crap. And so that opportunity for education is huge. Um, we also have an interface, one of the pages, it's the homepage, allows them to see um, each day is labeled um, and it has a color. So it visualizes how they've done for that month. So on a scale of one to five, what color they are. Um, and then it has a threading platform also for them to connect with people in the chronic illness community. That was a lot, but that's that's what I have to say. <laughs> Let's talk about the business side a little bit, because obviously you knew the medical side firsthand when you got into what does what do I want this to be? How do I want this to work? Talk about the business side where you have to go out and get funding. You have to go out and sell yourself and sell the product. Uh, how easy did that come for you and how much easier is it now than it was three years ago? Oh, what an interesting topic to dive into. So, you know, I, that's still not an easy thing for me. I really struggle with that. You know, once, once we got started, um, and got our 501c3 status, that's kind of the main route we've gone for, for fundraising. Cause we have, we have an LLC and a 501c3 and, uh, I didn't want to do it. I don't like asking for things. I, I didn't see the value for other people in what we were doing. I saw it for the chronic illness community, but why would, why would people want to give us funds to help this community? Because a lot of times, um, the chronic illness community is kind of forgotten about, you know, we have all these social movements right now and, so many times in conversation, people are like, I am a woman of color. I am, you know, a part of the LGBTQ community, but the, the part of my identity that is most forgotten about is the fact that I'm disabled. And so, you know, we didn't really anticipate a lot of support because of that. Um, Steven Werner was actually, which is who we went head to head with in the end, which was hilarious. He was actually in my office that week and he's writing me notes. Actually on my business card, he crossed out my name and he put his name. Have that right there. Um, but Steven Werner, I was in, you know, we had started these because originally I was working full time for Children's Mercy um, and trying to make this happen. And have a chronic illness and be in 18 credit hours at Wichita State because I'm a crazy person and we wonder why I'm chronically ill. Um, but I was kind of at a breaking point, you know, I had these support groups going and I could see the, the desperate need and the impact of what we were doing, but I just kind of didn't know where to start. And um, so I did an Instagram live, actually. I was supposed to be a Facebook live and Facebook wasn't working and I did an Instagram live. And uh, Steven Werner reached out to me and he's like, Hey, I love what you're doing. Let's sit down and make a business plan and a pitch deck. And it was one of those pivotal moments. That was one of the, the reasons that I was able to continue on. I mean, I was just, I was just at my breaking point. And so he sat down with me. He got me in contact with some people and helped me make a pitch deck. He had me practice pitching. And that's kind of how I got started. Um, I'm really lucky and that I have a lot of connections in Wichita. And so that that was a, a key to our success. But I found that, you know, not not saying and doing what people I interpreted wanted me to do, but just sharing my story and and the passion that I had for what I was doing 
was was key to to being successful in fundraising. How good were you at it initially? I'm sure you're much better at it now, but uh, you know, you're you're probably 20 years old at the time making these pitches, you know, throwing yourself out there. Um, how much did you struggle or how good at were you at it initially? Um That's a hard question. I don't really know. I was really like before I pitched early on, like I felt physically sick. Like I was shaking as, which this was all over zoom because it was during the pandemic. And, and I mean, like physically shaking, I was just kind of a mess, but um, actually my first pitch was with the Wichita community foundation. And I thought I bombed. I like finished, finished the call. I start crying. Like I was a mess. And, um, I got a a call a week later. So like, I'm just being hard on myself and Kyle, my co-founders is sitting here. I I was texting him him and I'm like, this is never going to work. They didn't like me. Like I just took everything so personally. Also, I got a call a week later. (laughs) They're like, we would like to give you um, a grant, an anonymous grant donation of $25,000. And that was my first pitch that I gave. So that set my expectation pretty high. Then, then after that, I really struggled, you know, that's where, you know, that was our first big chunk of money. And then we really had to, had to fight for the rest of those, those donations and grants. But um, I would say the nerves were, were pretty, pretty severe early on. And, and then the confidence started to come. And I would say I come off as a naturally confident person, but I'm really not. Um, it, I'm just really good at faking it. But um, I would say that I found my confidence in the impact we were making in people's lives. And that was what allowed me to put myself out there. If it weren't for, you know, patients calling me and telling me what a difference we were making in their lives or, you know, celebrating people's um, anniversaries of surviving suicide attempts like that is just something that can give you momentum to to conquer any fear or insecurity that you have. And I, I almost felt like I, you know, was fighting for something that was what's much bigger than myself. And, you know, a lot of the chronic illness community, we just, we feel so forgotten about and no one's gonna, no one's gonna fight this fight for us. And so that's, that's where the confidence came in. I wanted to ask you about that because I would think with an app, if I'm a user, I can stay as private as I want. I, I, you never have to know who I am, you as the founder. But I, I wondered if you do hear a lot of success stories or thank you, thank you for this app. It's really been enlightening for me. It's really helped me. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're getting a lot of those success stories relayed to you. So we just launched um, kind of our full-scale app on Rare Disease Day, February 28th. And so we're just now starting to get the app feedback. At first, it was feedback feedback from people that were in support groups. Um, which at the end of 2021, we had 70 people in support groups, um, that met monthly and not only those stories, you know, were, were so profound and impactful, but then just our social media, we, we really try to educate and be relatable and, you know, encourage people to understand that they're not alone in this. Um, and, you know, just from social media, we were getting people that, that were telling us, Hey, like, your post on um, patient advocacy, 
advocacy and how to talk to my doctor allowed me to get a diagnosis. Thank you so much. Like things like that. And, and so then when we, we launched the app and I feel like the app at the stage it is, is like my dirty laundry. Like I can see what I want it to be in the future. And so I was like, ah, no one's going to find value in this. And we've, we've been blown away by, you know, what people's feedback is and how many people there are other symptom tracking apps on the app store. And we, we had a support group participant um, who I've now grown really close to. She actually analyzed over 20 apps for us. She used each of them, found the pros and cons because just like co-immunity, I was looking for every excuse not to create a symptom tracking app. Like I didn't want to do it. Like I wanted to have a resource. Someone else went to the work of making and then be able to, you know, promote it to our community. But, um, there are other symptom tracking apps on the market. Mayo Clinic hasn't heard of them. Patients haven't heard of them. Like, so we were shocked when, you know, people are downloading our app and they're like, this is amazing. I've never, you know, been able to track my symptoms digitally. Like I'm just using my notes page on my phone. And, you know, the, the feedback has just been so incredible and it really has, you know, kind of given us the, the energy and boost and morale to, to keep going. Where is community, you know, two, three, four years down the road from now? Um, we have a lot planned. So, you know, timeline is always a hard one for me because sometimes things are much more successful than you anticipate, but sometimes they aren't. Um, we, we plan on integrating with a lot of different API to, to again, bring resources to patients, you know, there are so many different things going on with biometrics that, that have a lot of potential, but um, immediately, you know, we want to secure that, that patient um, demographic and provide this resource, but then also connect with doctors and create this, you know, um, service software as a service, a SaaS, uh, <laughs> you know, where doctors can see in real time how their patients are doing and then utilize telehealth to, to alter treatment plans. Um, and, you know, we'd love for our app in the future to be able to make suggestions based on, you know, how patients are doing. And then we have plans once we have enough data to deploy an algorithm that predicts flares um, and alerts the patient, gives suggestions, but then also alerts the doctor. So that's, that's kind of our, our next three, three year plan um, or hope at least. So we're just enjoying the ride. And let's talk long-term for you. You're getting ready to walk at graduation here in a couple of months. Uh, you're 23, you've got this successful business. Uh, what's down the road for you? I'm assuming it's not med school now. No, not at all. Uh, in five, 10 years. I'd like to ride this out as, as long as possible. Um, you know, it's it's been so rewarding and, and healing. And I talked to Daniel about that a little bit. Um, it, it's just incredible to know that your story and the worst parts of your life can have a purpose. And we found that, you know, as, as people that are a part of co-immunity as patients, they have this desire to help us. Like we have people that have done research reviews and spent hours reviewing journal articles for us just because they want to be a part of what we're doing. We have people that, you know, are creating social media content for it. like the the camaraderie and 
it's almost like a movement in itself of, of people that want to be a part of this is just, just incredible. And not only is it healing to me, but it gives, it gives other people a purpose to their story. And I think that's so important because if you can reframe the hardest parts of your life, um, they don't have the power to, to hold you back as much and you can be more resilient. Very wise words for as young as you. <laughs> well done. Very well done. Well, congratulations on your Inno Madness victory. You can uh, you can laud it over Stephen Warner for as long as you'd like. He would like us to make a trophy of him. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. A statue. We'll a statue. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Madeline Conta, thanks so much for joining us. It, it's Thank been you. Fun. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 253. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.